everybody. It's Pastor Chad. Today is Sunday, March 27th, 2022. Welcome to The Way Radio Live, The Way R122 Ministry Live. And the title of the message today is Battling Depression, Part 3, The Lord is at Hand. And I've been meaning to uh, dive into... Psalm 51. That's what I talked about last week. And as I delve into that Psalm, the more I study it, the more I work on it, the more rabbit holes I end up going down and the more topics that keep coming up that I want to address in it. So um, I'm really enjoying studying that Psalm. Uh, But honestly, I'm just taking my time with it and seeing where the Lord leads. And um, I really felt like we need to address the topic of anxiety uh, while we're uh, addressing the topic of depression, because I feel that the two uh, go hand in hand and that they're closely related. And in light of current uh, world events and issues, it seems that it's good to insert the topic uh, topic of anxiety into this series on battling depression. So that's what I wanted uh, to do today. And then hopefully next week, we'll just start going through Psalm 51 probably just in little chunks. So this may be a series that goes on for quite a while. But again, I think with what's going on in the world, it's just very important to um, reiterate and uh, how we are to deal with these things in a biblical perspective as Christian believers and to gain every bit of strength that we can from God's word by the leading of the Holy Spirit as we study these topics. So let's pray and we'll get into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, for the opportunity to learn of you, to hear from your word, uh, to be strengthened, Lord, supernaturally against the darkness of this world, against the attacks of the dark side, against the confusion and the chaos and the depravity that is so prevalent in our society. And while these are things that we have to admit are going on, uh, we do have the blessing of uh, not being drugged down into them and to be able to uh, live our lives in peace and comfort if we cling to you and if we uh, fill ourselves with your word. And your word is what uh, fills our minds and our thoughts and our spirit. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of the sermon again is Battling Depression, Part 3, The Lord is at Hand. And it's based on Philippians 4 four through nine. And anybody that's listened to me for any amount of time has heard me preach on this portion of scripture before and preach on the topic of anxiety before, uh, something that I've struggled with constantly off and on throughout my life. And especially Philippians four, four through nine have been very uh, helpful in bringing me through times of challenge, of anxiety, of depression, And I actually ended up memorizing Philippians 4, 4 through 9 without even meaning to when I was going through a real hard challenge in my life. And I simply had my Bible open on my desk in my office. And I was reading that portion of scripture, you know, 10 or 15, 20 times a day for about a week because it just gave me so much comfort and helped me stay focused to get through the trial I was going through. And without meaning to, I ended up memorizing it. So it's always probably been uh, that in Romans 12, too, I think are my two uh, life verses, I guess you could say, the scriptures that I just constantly uh, rely on the most. 
But before we get into that, I want to address the topic of anxiety and depression first. Uh, and one thing I've learned clearly about anxiety is that most of the things we worry about and are anxious about never actually happen. Remember last fall when the government and mainstream news were claiming that we were heading into a dark winter when people, mostly the unvaccinated, would be dying of COVID-19 and all sorts of terrible things would be happening. I remember, you know, Biden uh, saying that when he was really pushing the vaccines just relentlessly, he was he was really just outright saying, you know, if you don't get it, you're going to be facing sickness and death. We're heading into a dark winter. And they really were trying to paint this picture of just these horrific, cold, dark winter months that we were going to be going through here in America, in which we would just see so much death and turmoil because not enough people were being vaccinated. Well, here we are moving into spring, and aside from high gas prices and being told that food shortages are coming, we're still living our lives, and the, and the winter was not as we were told to fear it would be. So for anybody that became fearful from what they were hearing from Biden and the mainstream news and those who were uh, pushing the COVID narrative, they would have to, to have to admit that as we look back over the winter, those fears were unfounded. The things that we were told were going to happen did not take place. Will there be food shortages and will fuel prices continue to increase? I'm not saying these problems are over, but now we're being told that we need to prepare for them. Again, Biden came right out and said we need to prepare for food shortages. And the whole country is suffering from rapidly increasing food prices and also from inflation. Consider this. Logically, should a country like America, with millions of acres of rich farmland and massive oil fields beneath our ground, face food and fuel shortages because of a war in a relatively small country on the other side of the world? Does that make any sense? Why would America have to depend on any other country for anything? What makes sense based on past history and what we know of the criminals in control of our government is that the war in Ukraine is largely the result of corrupt U.S. foreign policy. And any shortages we might face are due to the corrupt policies here at home aimed at crippling America's ability to easily provide for uh, to provide far more than enough food and fuel for our own country, as well as others who may need it. Americans should not tolerate food, food or fuel shortages of any kind, but we do, because we have been brainwashed to believe what we are told for far too long. You really have to think about what we're being told right now. We are being told that because Ukraine and Russia are huge wheat producers, that that's going to cause food shortages here in America, and that because we rely so much in that portion of the world and, and, and what's going on there is going to affect um, trade in oil, that we have to experience high fuel prices. That should never be the case. We have massive amounts of farmland in the United States. Just the central area of California alone could feed a massive percentage of the American population. And that's not even considering the whole central United States, which, with, which is just covered with farmland. I live here in Idaho, and you can drive for miles, and it's just farm after farm after farm. But for generations now, we have had the federal government 
and corporate entities chiseling away at the ability of American farmers to not just provide, but to exist. American family farmers are going bankrupt one right after the other right now, and there's no reason for it. It's simply because they're being pushed out. There is no reason that we cannot be producing enough oil from our own ground. So these two crises that, the crises that we're told we, we need to really be fearful of have nothing to do with a real crisis. They're manufactured. It's created. And again, just like the COVID hoax, to gain control, to manipulate people. How? Through fear. Remember just a few months ago when whoever tried to expose how COVID-19 death counts were being exaggerated and that the vaccines were causing harm and death was considered a conspiracy theorist and canceled from mainstream and social media. Now, the CDC is admitting the things that were considered unacceptable to speak of just a short time ago, and studies are confirming the dangers of the vaccines and the efficacy of safe methods of treatment that were previously stifled. Everything that was condemned is now coming to light as being true. Are people noticing this, paying attention to what's going on? Because there is a huge lesson to learn through all of this. This last week, we witnessed a woman who was nominated to sit on the Supreme Court being unable to provide the definition of what makes someone a woman. She is a glaring example of just how ridiculous and immoral American society has become. The blurring of common sense, black and white, logical moral issues, and their promotion of depravity must cause anxiety for any parent attempting to raise children during these times. The point is, we live in a manufactured reality of lies and corruption. And because the vast majority of what we are told are lies intended to control us through fear, most of what people fear never ends up happening. The key is to ignore the lies and abide in the truth. And there is only one perfect eternal truth. John 14, 6. Excuse me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So all truth stems from the person and work of Jesus Christ. And you may hear that and think, well, that's just too general. We can't apply Jesus to everything. Actually, you can. And you don't have to do it in a uh, ignorant, um, unthinking manner. If you really look at Scripture and you really step into Scripture and, and sort of reject the way the modern church is presenting it, you realize that really the answer to everything that humanity struggles from is answered through Scripture. We just have to get back to what it truly is saying and strip away the veneer of error and apostasy and heresy that has been uh, put on it for so long. We live in a world of rapidly increasing confusion, corruption, and chaos. How do believers not be drawn into the anxiety and the fear of these times? How do we shield ourselves and our families from the spiritual forces of evil in this world? How are we to be in the world, but not of it? How are we to rejoice in the midst of a manufactured pandemic of fear and anxiety? How do we rejoice rather than being anxious and depressed? You know, as I was reading through this this morning, the thought came to mind of the, the book 1984. How did they control the people? 
they told them that they were in a constant state of war against another evil country. One thing that you heard through those screens, the big brother was always talking through, if you've seen the movie or you've read the book, is that their country was in a perpetual state of war against this other evil foreign country in another part of the world. And they had to get behind that war effort. Really what was going on is there was no war. It was just a made up manufactured lie to create control. And that's what we see happening right now. And in a situation like that, you see a radical increase in anxiety and depression in people. But as Christians, we must stand on the rock and take shelter in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Believers do not have to be weighed down and encumbered by the anxiety and cares of this world. Our point of view is far beyond the insanity of this world. Look at Matthew 24, 3 through 13. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The love of many will grow cold. Is this not a description of the world today? Look at modern entertainment. Look at the news. It seems like love is just being drained out of so much of our society. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. We must endure to the end, and we will do so by God's grace and power leaning on him. I want to give a little bit of context to the scripture that we're focusing the message on today. Paul, led by a vision, traveled to Philippi, and he established the church there, and we read about that in Acts 16. He later returned at least two times to visit the church at Philippi. Philippians is a book of rejoicing and thanksgiving for the blessings God has poured out on the Philippian church. In Philippians 1, 1 through 6, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and, and peace from God, from, our, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for, all, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. But Paul also addresses his concerns for the church. In Philippians 3, verses 2, and then in 17 and 18, he says, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. 
Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. False teachers. And then Philippians 1, 27 through 28, uh, 2, 2 through 4, and 4, 2 through 3. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. In Philippians 2, 2 through 4. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then Philippians 4.1, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. My beloved. So we get a picture of what leads up to the scriptures that we're looking at today. And what we see is that we see an eternal perspective here in Christ Jesus. We see that we are to be engaged in our Christian walk, abiding in Christ and his word of one mind, one faith, one gospel in fellowship. Not trusting in ourselves, but instead standing fast in the strength of the Lord by his grace. So now let's look at Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. We are to rejoice in worship, communion, and fellowship with the Lord. All of our joys flow from the Lord, regardless of conditions and circumstances. This is a tough one. It is hard to rejoice when our circumstances and conditions are not to our liking. May be very difficult for us to handle. We can only rejoice if we are prayerful during those times. Rejoice in the Lord always. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Are you rejoicing always? Are you praying without ceasing? Are you living and walking in gratitude and worship? To strive to rejoice always, ceaseless prayer, a sense and attitude of gratitude and worship is the key to overcoming so much human suffering and struggle. Do you desire to live according to the will of God? Then rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks to God in all circumstances. So many struggle in ministry trying to find out what God's will is for them, vacillating between choices and plans, not realizing that God does not need us to serve him. Instead, he blesses us to serve him. He will turn even our failures and mistakes into successes for his glory if our hearts are truly set on his will. The will of God is not elusive and hard to find. It is clearly defined for us in his word. God's will is a path of joy for us. Philippians 4, 5 says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Reasonableness can be defined as unselfishness, considerateness, forbearing spirit, gentle, patient. The Lord is at hand. Just think of that. The Lord is at hand. I think we tend to think of Christ as he's being at the right hand of the Father. He's up in heaven and he's distant from us and we will go to be with him 
when we die or he returns. And that's true, we will. But he is at hand. He is right here with us. And that's why it's so important to understand the working of the Trinity. He gave us the Holy Spirit to comfort us and to guide us and to nurture uh, nurture us. The Lord is not an abstract concept far away from us in the heavens. The Lord is at hand. The Holy Spirit is here. John 14, 26 through 27 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Take comfort in this. If we are distracted with anxious worry, we are not giving attention to what is at hand. We are not in the moment. Satan will constantly try to drag us into the past through regret or into the future through worry and fear. Why? Because he knows that the Lord is at hand and we worship him and commune with him in the moment. So Satan strives to steal the moment. Can you see how he has done this so well through the COVID hoax and now through rumors of war and the possibility of nuclear war and economic unrest? Through weary, fear, anxiety, and depression, Satan can turn our minds and our hearts from focusing on Christ. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Anxiety and worrisome distraction are contrary to our faith. They are actually sinful. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Regardless of how confusing the world becomes, we can still go to the Lord for peace and calm. Only those in Christ have the light of truth and know what the outcome of it all will be. But you have to be careful here. So many Christians almost give up and say, well, God's in control. We know what the end result's going to be, so we don't have to worry about it. We don't know every detail. We still have to strive and pray to the Lord to strengthen our faith and deepen our belief so that we can go through the times that we are placed in. Our hope and eternal perspective allow us to live above the fearful confusion of this world. A strong believer Fear from, uh, free from fear, worry, and anxiety in times like these may appear to be irresponsible or foolish. This is very important. Sometimes things may be so dire that those outside of Christ may be losing their minds, may be consumed with anxiety and fear and worry. And we may appear to be foolish because we're just not that stressed about it. Think about that. Anxious worry shows a lack of trust in God's providence and care. Consider all the things you've worried about that never happened. Consider all of the wasted energy, all of the mental turmoil, the effect worry has had on your health throughout your life. And then remember that the Lord commands us not to worry, but to instead cast our cares on him because he loves us. Martin Luther, when he walked in the woods, used to raise his hat to the birds and say, Good morning, theologians. You wake and sing, but I, old fool, know less than you and worry over everything instead of simply trusting in the Heavenly Father's care. That's from Richard Wormbrand's book, In God's Underground. With thanksgiving, worship is a great antidote to worry. If you're worshiping the Lord, it's very difficult to be worried and depressed. 
but in everything, leave nothing out, bring everything to the Lord and serve the Lord with everything. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Usually those believers who struggle and bear little fruit, who are drawn away in anxiety and cares of this world, do not comprehend who God truly is. Ephesians 3, 16 through 21 says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. How do we comprehend who God truly is? Prayerful study of his word, contemplating his word, meditating on his word, communing with the Lord, fellowshipping with him. By prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving. There is a passion and desire in prayer. Prayer is not for the lazy. Pray that you may pray with zeal and fervency of spirit. There's nothing wrong with praying that you may pray more, that you may pray more effectively, that you may pray more fashionably, passionately with fervency and zeal. Romans 12, 11 says, do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Philippians 4, 7, we continue, says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice it says, which surpasses all understanding. What that tells me is there's a peace of God, which believers can be blessed with, that we can't understand. It may not be logical. It may not seem to make sense, but we possess it. The peace of God, a soul at rest in the Lord, assured of salvation through Christ, content with earthly circumstance, with an eternal focus on Jesus Christ. When we are burdened, anxious, and weighed down with worry, prayer is what calms and brings peace to our spirits and our minds. Lift up your burdens and desires to God in prayer. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that, the prop, so, that, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Abide in God's word and he will inspire you to pray. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Psalm 94, 18 and 19 says, When I thought my foot slips... Your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Abide in God's word and he will inspire you to pray. I think it was George Mueller that I read about. You know, we often, we pray, then we read the word. He would always read the word and it would inspire him to pray. And that works very well. Often it's 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 fruitful in the morning. You know, say a prayer. To, to open your mind and your heart and your spirit to God's word. But then as you read the word, he will bring out things that will inspire you to pray more. And then Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul wrote this epistle to the Philippians in which he urges them to rejoice and warns them about anxiety while he was in prison. Paul did not whine and complain about his circumstances, but instead used his circumstances to serve the Lord and bring glory to God. In Philippians 1, 12 through 4, he wrote, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. We will persevere and endure because the Lord is our strength. Philippians 4.13 says, And I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I'll close with Psalm 37, 3 through 6. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message today. Thank you for the power and the comfort, the edification that we receive from your word. And as we go into the coming week, Lord, I pray that you would bless us with the supernatural of power and ability uh, to stay above the things of this world, to be in it but not of it, uh, to shine with your light and to rejoice in the midst of so much uh, depression and anxiety and fear. And may our uh, shining your light be an attraction to those who are lost, and may they hear the gospel message through us and by us and come to know you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys, uh, thank you for being here today. If you get a chance, please visit our website. If I can get my mouse cursor to work here by going to elephantwalk.net. Uh, you can receive 10% off at checkout by just typing in the way, all lowercase, no spaces between the words. And you can find us on the web at the way r122.org. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just search for The Way Radio in the search field there. Uh, I'm about a week behind right now on getting podcasts published. I got very busy last week, so I'm a bit behind, but I'll get that caught up this week. You can find us on Rumble at The Way R122. And if you'd please consider donating the ministry, it's a great blessing and uh, enables us to expand the podcast, expand the ministry, enables me to spend even more time uh, doing what I do and working in the ministry. And it helps us support the pastors that we try to help and support in Kenya. And you can do that by going to the way r122.org. All right. Thank you so much for being here today. We'll be back here next week. Same time, same place. God bless.